listening to Eat This Scroll, a University Fellowship Church podcast. My name is Chris Moore. We do this about twice a week. We get together and chew on God's Word and then bring that to you in short, digestible little nuggets that leave you encouraged and hopefully a little bit more sanctified. Uh, this week we have Sean Duncan with us. Hello, hey, Sean. Yo, I'm back. It's the man, the myth. That's it. Not quite legendary. Not quite legendary. Close though. Real close. I think that only happens after so, you die. Oh no. <laughs> you got a lot of life left to live, Sean. <laughs> you, know, you can't spell legendary without leg day. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I got a lot of work to do. Um, <laughs> Sean, you are the college pastor here at UFC. You have been going through the Sermon on the Mount with us. And I have. For about a year. About almost. a year. Yep. What a commitment. I know. What were you thinking? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's been so long, Chris. <laughs> yeah, and you started, you were doing uh, Sermon on the Mount with Good Fight, right? With high schoolers. High school, that's right, before the podcast. Before the podcast. Like That's why I did it for the podcast, because I had already done all this prep work. Yeah. I did it for a long time, and then I had concluded it. Then we started, you, you came up with this podcast idea, then we started recording this podcast. I was like, oh, well, I just did all this prep work for this and just finished preaching through it. I'll do Sermon on the Mount. <laughs> yeah, so I've been in the Sermon on the Mount for over a year now, yeah. thinking about it, saying it, talking about it. <laughs> Yeah. It's a couple chapters in the Bible. It's just a few chapters in the Bible. Yeah. Great. All right. Well, we're getting close to the end. Yep. Really so close. Where are we at? All right. So here's the the quick recap. Go listen to all the other ones. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. You know, but seriously, you know, the way is hard that leads to life. So maybe you should go back and listen to all those podcasts instead of just taking the easy way out. Yeah. Have you mastered the sermon? I don't if, think so. And if you listen to the previous episode... That was a funny joke for you. <laughs> okay, but seriously, here, here's the quick quick review. Jesus is giving a sermon to his disciples. He starts by blessing them. He talks about who he is. And then he is basically the entire time telling them what it looks like to live as a kingdom citizen in the kingdom of God as Jesus, their king, uh, leads them. So um, from beginning to end, Matthew 5, Matthew 7, that's what's going on. Matthew 7 what we've been in right now is the conclusion where basically he's just saying, make a choice. And the reason he's saying this is because uh, way back in chapter five is there were, uh, it was a mixed crowd. The crowds were following him. And when he went up on the mountain and sat down, his disciples came to him. So at the beginning, you do have this distinction. Like he is talking to his disciples, but it's a, there are also what we would maybe say like non-believers in the, in the congregation. And also, his call that he's giving, which we would say a call to faith, um, what it means to have faith in Jesus is to trust him, follow him. And that's not a one-time thing. He's not just a gate. He's also a way. So um, his his call of response is both for a non-believer or, or a non-disciple and a disciple because every day you have to choose to pick up your cross and follow him. So he's giving all these um, these decision moments where there's only two choices. Um, last week, we looked at there's only one there, there there's two different gates there's two different ways there's two different outcomes you could choose the one that leads to destruction or you could choose the one that leads to life choosing life is the better option <laughs> okay so now we're going to look at at the the next option uh, and this one um the the second option is implied by it but here we go this is Matthew chapter 7 verses 15 through 20 beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing 
but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but a diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you will recognize them by their fruits. Heavy stuff. Heavy stuff. So you get the contrast of the two options. Mm -hmm. Um, Good profit or false profit. Right. Um, Good tree or bad tree. Those are the only two options. Um, And, you know, he gives this little parable. He's like, do you ever walk up to a dead tree and find some living fruit on it? Of course not. Like, of course you don't have that. That, That's that's antithetical to reality. Um, Good trees produce good fruit. Um, I want to talk about this passage. Also talk about how this passage has been misused in recent um, church history. And I don't know, then we'll just go wherever we go with it. Cool. <laughs> so uh, first is he's saying, beware of false prophets. Um, prophet means multiple different things throughout the Bible. Um, in the old Testament, there is a office in both Israel and Judah, the Northern and Southern kingdom of prophet. It's not necessarily that they are a actual mouthpiece of God, but it's almost like being a, a counselor to the King and one who keeps record. That's what prophets did. So it was just a job that people held an office that people held. But then also throughout the old Testament, there are these prophets who are mouthpieces of God. God speaks to his people through these unique people. So Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Zephaniah, Zechariah, Haggai, um, Malachi, all, all these people, God uniquely spoke through them to his people where um, when they spoke, it was thus says Yahweh. Mm-hmm. I am the God who brought you out of Egypt. And all of a sudden, like you're listening to this person talk, but you're listening to God talk and these lines get blurred. So that's usually what we think of when we hear prophet. Yeah. Um, and in the New Testament, there's debate about what prophet means. If it if uh, there's more overlap in, and distinctions, or if it just means that, that thus says the Lord type prophet, or if it just means someone who who speaks uh, God's word on his behalf, mm-hmm. almost more like a preacher type of thing. Yeah, I've heard it said as foretelling versus foretelling. Yeah, so, so foretelling, future-oriented stuff. Even in the Old Testament, the prophetic books... Um, less than 5% is future telling stuff. It's, it's, it's majority forth telling. So it's, it's talking about what is currently happening in the, like the immediate context of the prophetic, uh, the, the prophet's ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, so whatever it is, it's, it's someone who represents God in some way and seems to speak on his behalf. And Jesus is saying, beware of false prophets. You have, risk of running into false prophets, which also means you probably have um, the chances of running into true prophets. So um, first, this warning, there are two warnings in the Old Testament about false prophets in the Torah, about like what to look for, for a false prophet. The, f- the first one that's usually more common that people will cite as evidence of a false prophet is found in Deuteronomy 18. And it's, it's just one little, little line about if, if a prophet says something about the future, and it doesn't come to pass, they're a false prophet, don't listen to them. That's the common one that everyone sure. seems to know. The other one, though, that I think is more important, especially for this text and practical everyday life, 
is found in Deuteronomy 13. I think. Yeah, it's definitely Deuteronomy 13. I think. Anyways, <laughs> <laughs> um, the warning there is um, about a, what a false prophet is. It, is someone could come and they could perform miracles. They could perform healings. They could perform wonderful signs. They could even predict the future and be true and right. Mm-hmm. But if they proclaim anyone but the triune God of Israel, they are a false prophet. That is way more important than I think the Deuteronomy 18 warning, especially yeah. for today. Because if we miss that, well, then anyone who does something miraculous and 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 magical and mystical, we're like, oh, they must be trustworthy. Yeah. But just because they can do amazing things does not mean that they are trustworthy. So it's the content of the message just as important as as the event happening around the messenger. Here, when he's saying beware of false prophets, um, the very next thing he's going to talk about is, is people who do amazing signs. They're like, Lord, didn't we cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And Jesus is going to say to those people, I never knew you. Yeah. So um, the beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. So these people, they present themselves as genuine. They say, I'm here for Jesus, I'm here to serve. I want your good. I want Jesus good. But inwardly, they are not meaning that at all. They're mm-hmm. trying to take advantage. They're trying to mislead. So th- that's a category right there of someone who actually has malicious intent, but will fake it to make it type of thing. Yeah. So what do we do? You know, that's kind of scary. Like what? Well, they're going to dress in sheep's clothing so that they might even be proclaiming the name of Jesus. Yeah. So how, how do we know? Well, you'll recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes? No, of course not. Do you get figs from thorn bushes? No, of course not. Um, so the way you can tell a, a true prophet from a false prophet is just the same way you would tell a tree. So the health of the tree is indicative by the fruit that it produces. Here, I'm going to sidestep out of the conversation a little bit and talk about how this has been misused recently. There has been um, a almost like a... I don't, I don't know what, what to call it, but but there's been in the conversation around the LGBTQ community and the churches slash the Bible's look on um, homosexual practice, um, same-sex activity, um, and, and then any other sexual activity outside of the confines of the marriage covenant between one man and one woman. There's been this, this community within quote unquote, the church where they're saying we've totally misunderstood and we've been applying it wrong. And then they come to this passage and they say, you'll recognize them by their fruits. And then they say, look at all the damage, the emotional damage done to the LGBTQ community because the church slash the Bible says that they can't have those same sex active, uh, active partners and they say that's a sin, and then that causes emotional or psychological trauma. So they say that's clearly a bad fruit. Mm-hmm. So that must mean that this teaching is a a bad teaching. And I think that is that's totally misusing and abusing this text. And, and there there's countless texts in scripture to to make a clear argument. Um, and when we're confronted by sin, even though that does not feel good, that is a good thing. Yeah. Um, so being confronted and being challenged isn't necessarily bad. I think what's helpful to see in this passage is uh, what he says is done with bad trees. He says, every tree that does not bear 
good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. This is language all throughout Matthew of final judgment. Um, So earlier in Matthew, you have John the Baptist showing up and some of the Pharisees like go out to see him. And he's like, you brood of vipers, how dare you come out to me? And then he talks about how um, they're like a tree that has the ax up against and ready to cut it down and throw it into the fire. Yeah. And, and he says, the one who's coming after me is going to baptize with fire, spirit, yeah. water and fire, you know, fire is foe. So fire is always this thing of judgment. And the thing that he just said before is the, the way the, the gate is wide and the way is easy. That leads to destruction. Talking about like that final destination outcome of eternal death rather than eternal life. So the tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Well, that's going to be a, a final judgment thing. So even the judgment of what fruit is actually good and what tree is actually good versus what is bad is a final judgment thing. And and same thing with uh, the the passage that's immediately going to follow where he says, depart from me. I never knew you. It's a final judgment thing. So uh, this is verse 21. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven on that day. Many will say to me, oh, Lord, look at all the things we did for you. So this is a future oriented thing. It's not a um, experiential thing where we say, I, I was hurt by what I just heard. Therefore, it was bad. We're, we don't get to be the judges. Yeah. God is. So even taking that into, okay, beware of false prophets. You'll recognize them by their fruits. I actually, I don't think he's necessarily saying like, you're going you're gonna to spot them so easy in this life. Mm-hmm. I think he's saying, like, you'll know the ones who are, who are true and false really on the day of judgment. Sure. Because some will be cut down and thrown into the fire while other trees will stand and have life. Mm-hmm. That's when you'll really know. So even um, they come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. So what do they look like? They look like sheep. Yeah. You don't know. Like, right. you don't know the, the heart of a man. Um, you might have some good intuition, intuition. You might actually, you know, get a few right, but you might get a few, a few wrong. There might be people in our lives who were like, oh yeah, that, that person's definitely like a solid faithful follower. And it turns out they'll have no faith. And then there's going to be other people where we're like, I don't know about this person. Yeah. And they're going to be in the kingdom of heaven. And we're going to be like, wow, I didn't expect that. But also I didn't expect to be here either. So, <laughs> so here we are. Yeah. So, so that's his warning. Um, but I do think it has um, immediate application in the first few decades after Jesus. So in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 5, verse 36 and 37, there are two mentions of false messiahs who popped up. Um, I should just go there real quick. I think it's like Thaddeus and let's see, Acts chapter 5, verse 36. Um, this is Gamaliel speaking, and they're they're he's a part of the Sanhedrin, which is the Jewish religious leaders, and they're trying to figure out what to do about all these Christians that are popping up. They're like, should we snuff them out, or should we just like let them them continue with their sect that they're devising in, in our Jewish council? So Gamaliel is like, you know what? Before these days, there was Thaddeus who rose up claiming to be someone. He, Thaddeus was someone who said, "I'm the Messiah. I'm a prophet." He was claiming to be someone and a number of men, about 400 joined him. He was killed and all who followed him were dispersed and came to nothing. So this claimed Messiah claimed prophet of God was put to death 
And when he was put to death, he stayed dead and his entire following dispersed. And that was the end of it. And then verse 37, after him, there was Judas or, or Judah of, of Galilee. And he rose up in the days of the census and drew away some of the people after him. He too perished and all who followed him were scattered. So there's this repetition where there's these, these prophets or, or false messiahs who, who rise up and they have big followings and then they're cut down mm-hmm. and then the following disperses. Yeah. And that's when the clarity comes is after the death that that happens. And then again, in Acts uh, chapter 21, um, the, there's like some ruckus around Paul and he gets captured and they're like, like, who are you? And he starts speaking in Greek. They're like, Oh, you speak Greek. I, I thought you were the Egyptian who was, who was rousing people up down in Egypt. So there was people after the time of Jesus who were claiming to be the Messiah who had big followings, but then when they die, their followings stop. What's so unique about Jesus? Why didn't his following stop? <clears throat> he was put to death. Mm-hmm. He didn't stay dead. He didn't stay dead. Yeah. That's the unique difference in Christianity is that Jesus rose from the grave. That's why his following expanded across the entire Roman empire within the first few decades after his death is that he rose from the grave and appeared to more than 500 people at once. He was around for 50 days after his resurrection. So when Jesus was put to death, his following was down to two. There was John and his mom. And then Peter was over by a fire being like, yeah, I hate that guy. I don't even like him. I'm not not a Jesus guy. Some of these other guys like had like thousands. The guy in Egypt had thousands when he was put to death, but he stayed dead and his following stopped. You know, Jesus is the true prophet like Moses because he is not put to death. You, you think he's being cut down, but actually he's getting victory. And then he rises from the grave and he enters into eternal life. That's how you know the difference. So um, this passage here, I, I think it's first and foremost, like about the Messiah claim. Mm-hmm. Then maybe we could apply it to, teachers like I, I think that's a secondary though or a third step uh, of thinking about like christians in our life who are proclaiming a message um saying they're speaking on behalf of god well we will know ultimately on the day of judgment if they were they were true prophets quote-unquote prophets or speakers on behalf of god or not um but we should be aware that even though they look like a sheep doesn't mean that they are a sheep so Jesus is giving us warning as his disciples to, to know that people will try to take advantage and to harm. Yeah. And I think you'd probably agree. That's what, what becomes of the great importance of knowing scripture yeah. and knowing Christ, because uh, I think it was maybe Hank Hanegraaffer who wrote kingdom of the cults. That guy, I think he said something along the lines of, um, you know, don't spend all of your time learning every single counterfeit that exists out there. Spend your time learning the authentic bill. Yeah. Because then you'll know the counterfeit when you, the moment it hits your hand, you go, ah, this isn't right. This mm-hmm. feels off. Yeah. Yeah. So um, to dwindle it all down to maybe the, the simple advice I would give from this text around, around this topic of knowing true and false teachers apart from each other, people can do amazing things they could tell you the future they could heal your body they could perform a a, a variety of miracles and signs to you but if they're proclaiming or lifting up a name other than the name of jesus don't listen to them in the same way someone might be like saying oh yeah jesus is, is 
who he said he was, but watch me do this. And then they're trying to make these claims. Also, don't listen to that person either. But in the book of Corinthians, uh, Paul says that it's only by the spirit of God that someone can proclaim Jesus as Lord. So if someone is proclaiming Jesus as Lord, it's the content of the message that is important. But if they're they're trying to pull you away to something else and Jesus is really just secondary or he's just a launch pad to something different, I would be aware of that because that sounds like a false prophet according to scripture. Yeah. Good stuff. Great warnings and things to keep in mind and ultimately a Lord that we can trust. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, we are getting close to the end, so we will uh, wrap this one up and see you on the next one. Sounds great, man. Thanks, John. Yep. Well, thanks for listening. Thank you to our guests for coming and sharing what they've been chewing on in God's Word. We produce these podcasts and release them twice a week, so please subscribe so you don't miss out on one. And don't forget, love God, love your neighbor, and make disciples. 